Okay, here we go. So this week we are talking with Kyle Peruch and Brother Peruch for joining us. This is great. I'm excited. I am happy to be part of this elders quorum. I don't think I've ever been part of an elders quorum that has their own podcast. So this is I unique. haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, the majority of my last branch probably didn't even know how to how to get on the internet. So it was yeah. it would have been. <laughs> so where were you before this? Tell us a little bit. Do you just move into the ward? Um, you're married. We don't, I don't know how many kids you have. Tell us a little bit about that. So, so we just moved here from Louisiana, um, and I have three kids: my wife Melanie, and then my oldest daughter Zelia. Uh, she's seven years old, and then Amelia is four, soon to be five, and then the baby Alessio, and he just turned two in March. So they are eating mac and cheese as we speak. Good stuff. <laughs> so no, we we're we're happy to be here. Uh, it's been quite an adventure for us. Yeah, uh, not ever expect us to be living in Provo, Utah. Um, that was one of the few places that I did avoid growing up, but it's funny how uh, irony strikes back. So yeah, we're here and we're happy about it. We've actually really enjoyed Provo. I haven't seen mountains in four years. Um, sometimes you don't realize the beauty of nature around you when you don't have it. Yeah. So, not to take anything away from Louisiana because it is a sportsman's paradise as they like to call themselves. Totally. But, uh, it's nothing compared to the Mountain West, that's for sure. We, we've got the unique advantage that every day when you open the door, it's in front of you. It's true. You don't have to drive to see it. You can see it. So I've never lived this close to the mountains before because when I was doing my undergrad at BYU-Idaho, we were there. I mean, I, I was there for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it was a great place because it was so central. You know, we got Yellowstone about an hour away and then Teton about another hour away and not too far from from the Utah Valley and so it was a good location but this is this is unique I yeah. quite jealous for what you guys got to grow up with so pretty great yeah I'm from Orem so I, I my my mountain biking trails were five minutes from my front door so <laughs> yeah it's uh, so I grew up I grew up in central California um in Madera we're, 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 in, we're in Central California. Madera, California. Madera County, which is where Yosemite National Park is. Oh, cool. Um, so I was, it was still a good hour and a half because the county's so large to actually get to the entry gates. Yeah. But I was so happy to be able to grow up in an area where I could climb half dome whenever I wanted and, and just kind of enjoy that scenery. So yeah. I tried to kind of always be in an area where nature was part of the uh, atmosphere so i don't ever see myself living in a big city that would drive me nuts yeah I'm an outdoorsy guy um, so i actually plan on doing climbing tempanogos here in a couple of weeks good I'm excited about well we can talk more about that later but tempanogos is a great great hike i actually ran up it when i was in high school i did the byu sports camps oh fun um, and i came up here for cross country my senior year and that was well, thing that we did on our third day and I about died because the elevation change was about, you know, coming yeah. from sea level to, <laughs> to whatever it is here, what, 12,000 feet? 4,000 to the base, 7,000 at the top. Oh, 7,000, that's it? To top of Timpanogos? 
Yeah. Oh man, I always thought it was a lot taller. That's okay. This isn't recorded. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Cool. So how'd you meet your wife? Tell us about that. Uh, So we actually grew up in the same hometown. She was in the Spanish ward. Uh, Her parents came from Guatemala, immigrated here. So she's first generation American. I actually never talked to her until after, after high school, we were actually in the same seminary class and I can't even remember that. Um, but, but she did, she had the, she had the hots for me. What can I say? Oh, okay. You know what? She was too shy. She didn't want to say anything. (laughs) Um, so after I got home from my mission, um, I was assigned to her to be her, uh, home teacher per se. I went to as a ward missionary. Yeah. And um, that's that. It was, she, sure. she, put her, she put her claws out finally and she sucked me in and that was, didn't take much effort from my part. First transfer home, you got your new companion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was actually home for about a year. Nice. I was still scared of women for that first, that first year, as most yeah. of you understand. It was a little more diff- difficult for me because I came home early um a year early so i was like right in the middle of like when you're really starting to get into that flow totally yeah so when i came home i was just in utter shock couldn't go to the bathroom by myself or anything (laughs) (laughs) i was like this is not how it's supposed to be but it was okay and everything worked out and you know i probably would have never really met her if i didn't come home so okay yeah i I have a history of bad knees and i was put in a really mountainous area in northern chile and just one day woke up in the morning both my knees were just swollen and I couldn't walk so mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that I'd come home and have a couple couple knee surgeries so yeah. so you served in Antofagasta yeah Antofagasta Chile up north um, it was a cool area uh, it was the driest place in the world if you're not familiar with the Atacama Desert didn't rain once the whole time I was there um, at the time there was only 30 Americans in the whole mission Wow. And there's over a hundred um, natives. So it was really unique in that way because I was kind of put out of my, out of my comfort zone. Yeah. A lot of people that come from the United States and go foreign, there's still a great proportion of American missionaries. Yeah. So it really got me on my toes quick and uh, it was a great experience. Um, and I served in Chile too. I don't know if I told oh, did you. you. I served in Santiago East. Oh, spoiled. Yeah, super spoiled. <laughs> it's like America over there. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I came home and I stopped, we had like a 12 hour layover in Santiago and I see a subway, see yeah. McDonald's. I was like, what is this? Trees. It was tourists and people talking on phones. No street. Not, not all of it's that way, but I know, I know. A lot of it is. It's fun. It's, so. it's, then, of course, I went to the temple and I see security guards with with M- m16s and stuff and it was like <laughs> yeah. it's like what so yeah. yeah the temple was actually my mission it's pretty cool oh so. lucky guy that's a really pretty area so okay tell us about um tell us about how you ended up teaching art history at lsu right so no i was actually an art art professor not art history okay yeah so after byu idaho i worked over there in the facilities department for about five years. And during that time, 
Um, I was kind of working my ways towards being a full-time artist and I was getting plenty of commissions and then it just got to a point where I just got burnt out. Hmm. Um, it's just a lot of work. What, so if we look up Kyle Peruch art, we're going to find your art. Yep. KylePeruch.com. What? Okay. It's that simple. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so after, well, after that, I got kind of burnt out from that. I got a commission one day and I came home and I told my wife, I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. This is trying to work full time, trying to be a full time artist. I'm not happy with what I'm doing anymore. And um, I said, I, I think I'm going to go back to school. And she's just kind of got caught off guard. And so I went outside and I started messing around with land art, started building stuff with cow pies and out in the, in the prairie lands, <laughs> did some really weird uh, contemporary art that I'd never done because I doing a lot of figurative art, a lot of portraitry stuff, paintings and illustrations. Um, so one thing led, led to another and I applied to a bunch of grad schools and um, we got accepted to a number of schools. I, we felt that Louisiana was the place to go. Went there for a three-year program, during which time I was teaching there uh, as adjunct. And then after I graduated, they pulled me on full-time. And I was there for over a year as a full-time professor. And then um, I was also teaching adjunct at Fresno State University as well, because California went crazy during COVID and they needed online professors. So they contacted me. I said, sure. Yeah. So cool. That's awesome. So yeah. Um, so we, and after that, we, we kind of knew, I kind of deep down knew that, okay, go to the toilet, go to the toilet. I think he just peed himself potty training. <laughs> if you need to go, that's fine. It's fine. No, we're good. He'll, he'll survive. Uh, he's a tough guy. Um, so after, after that one year, um, I thought we were doing good. I was applying to other positions at other universities, had a number of um, interviews, but then we got, I, well, not we, I got a really strong impression that I needed to call the church military headquarters. Mm. And um, I went for it and he called me back and he says, Hey, I hear you want to be a chaplain. And I said, what? <laughs> I what do you mean by what a chaplain? He's like, well, why'd you call me? I said, I don't know. Spirit told me I needed to call you. And he's like, well, uh, let's get you started on the program. And I said, okay. And I hadn't told my wife anything about this yet. Yeah. And I went home and I told her who I talked to. And without hesitation, she said, okay, let's do it. And um, I'm really happy about that because uh, we, we threw our hat in the ring. It was a very competitive program to get into here at BYU. Yes, it is. Um, and I was putting a lot on the line, but felt like the Lord knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were able to get through the interview process, which was about eight months worth of interviews to go through wow. um, general authority interviews. Like the church has to endorse you first, um, psychological evaluations and everything before you can even apply to BYU. Wow. I'm not going to waste your time, their time on you if you're not prepared for such a for such a calling, because it really is um, a very difficult calling. Yeah. Uh, but after everything went through, we got accepted, and nothing has felt wrong ever since. And uh, we, we were here in Provo. Everything was just miracle after miracle got us here. Yeah. So and we're really, really happy to be here, like I said earlier. Cool. That's super cool. Wow. So, yeah, that's very different from how I learned about chaplaincy. I, I was in ROTC. 
and I I was like let's chop and see and kind of learned about it through BYU but very interesting yeah my, my story is actually quite quite funny and I don't mean to take up too much time so back in 2015 it's been a number of years my wife was trying to figure out what she wanted to do with her career I said, well, BYU Idaho offers this uh, assessment test. They kind of ask you like 500 questions and they see where you're going to go with her career. She's like, I'm not going to do that. I was like, I'll take it. It's really easy. I'll show you how easy this is and how accurate it is. <laughs> so I take this test and I'm like, all right, I kind of already know what's going to happen. I'm already doing what I'm doing. So it's being an artist, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I get my three results back. Number one, a priest. Number two, well, I, can't, I was like, first, like, oh, I can't be a priest. <laughs> Number two, funeral director. I was yeah. like, what funeral director? I was like, I'm not doing that. My dad's been doing it for 40 years. I am not going to be a funeral director. I know that lifestyle. Number three, a chaplain. I was like, what? wow. Those are my three results that I got back from that test. And I said, well, <laughs> a chaplain is. I was a chaplain in Boy Scouts. And I look up chaplain. I was like, oh, there's. There's chaplains at hospitals and the military, but you have to be a certain religion. I was like, I wonder if the church even has LDS chaplains. We got a history of it, don't we? And I looked into it, and sure enough, they did. It's yeah. like, well, that's really interesting. But I never really pursued it, and it just kind of yeah. ended there. But then later on, when I got that impression back in 2020, uh, that came to my mind, and they said, call Frank Clausen, who's the guy that runs the, uh, the church military department. Yeah. And I was like, what? And then everything just... Yeah. So it's that little weird moment in 2015. Cool. That's super cool. Okay. Yeah. Really quick for everybody. What is a chaplain? What do they do in the military for the church? That's a great question. So chaplains, what they do is they are the spiritual advisors for military members, spiritual and morale. So this can be anything from helping them and supporting them in their spiritual rituals getting them exactly what they need. So if they're a Catholic, help them get their rosary beads, allow them to get in contact with another Catholic priest so that they can take take mass or communion, excuse me. Um, and that goes for all religions. So I am the that point of contact for them, especially if we're in a position where there's nobody else around. Cool. I get them what they need. So um, you, aren't, you aren't specific to, your, to our religion. No. You're, you are the spiritual man for the people and you're going to help them figure out how they can get the help they need. Exactly. But it doesn't end there. I, in, in short terms, it's a full-time Bishop. Yeah. Because I have to do marriage and family counseling, yeah. counseling. I'm a therapist in a lot of ways. Um, and when somebody dies, I have to do last rites. I have to perform funerals. Yeah. Um, I have to, I have not only charge over the soldiers, but their families needs as well. Mm -hmm. um, you always see that when somebody knocks on the door, I'm the guy that has to do that. I'm the one that reports those fatalities in the field. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. It's... So it goes a lot beyond just that spiritual advisor. I'm also in charge of keeping a watch on the troops as well. So if there's a lot of mental issues going on, I'm the guy that can inform the commanding officers like, Hey, maybe we should do something like this for the soldiers to kind of keep their spirits up. Yeah. I host uh, marriage retreats. I put on other sorts of retreats for the soldiers, whether it be like a golf tournament or um, something, yeah. a hike out in the wilderness, just something to keep their morale up. 
those are the things I'm in charge of. So mm. that chaplain does. That's cool. That's yeah. super cool. You're also a non-combatant, right? No, non-combatant. So I, I'm not allowed to carry a weapon of any sort. Um, but does not mean that I cannot go in the field during battle. That's actually one of my prime objectives if I end up going, being put in that position. Where they go, I go. Yeah. So I'm just going to find a tree to hide behind. <laughs> yeah, So totally. We'll pass the ammunition or whatever, do whatever you need to do to, to help. But, but yeah, yeah. That, that's it. And so after this two-year program at BYU, 21 months, then we'll go full active duty. Wow. That's super cool. That's exciting. That'll be, that's, it's in, that's like embarking on an adventure of a lifetime right there. That's, that's intense. Especially if coming, somebody coming from the art background, it's a completely different yeah. uh, career path and atmosphere. But you'll be able to connect with more people than you think probably. With oh, them. no, I know. I know. And I think that's what they're banking on. Yeah. They want chaplains that are from diverse backgrounds, not just somebody that knows the gospel per se. They want people that can connect with the soldiers yeah so cool we'll see that's super cool okay well um i don't know how much time you got right now but did you want to share any spiritual stories or any any special stories really quickly um you know just anything you'd like to share with the quorum i'll just say this i've always been privileged to be a part of great elders quorums and I hope in this calling that I've received recently as first counselor that I can continue that and support not only the presidency, but the members of the quorums themselves. Um, sometimes I think we do get caught up in our own families and careers. And uh, we as a group, we have this ability to bless the lives of many people. Um, we don't have to take it on our, our own shoulders. That's not, the, that's not the key. That's not the point. But it's a matter of utilizing those priesthood responsibilities that we have to really bless the lives of the members of the church. So I uh, don't have any specific stories, but I just wanted to share that because I think we do have this great opportunity to bless so many people's lives. Totally. Let's do it. Okay. Well, good. Kyle, it's been a pleasure. It's been awesome. And, you know, the whole point of this is to open the door to more conversations, to more interactions in the quorum, to more unity. So I appreciate your time and you know this has been a blast so i appreciate it i'm gonna to try to learn everybody's names it's yeah a, it's a lot of new faces so be patient my friends okay. <laughs> thanks roger hey thanks kyle appreciate it all right guys we'll see you sunday <laughs>